Hello, and welcome to the Women Who Code podcast. This show features conversations between diverse technology professionals discussing women in the industry, cutting edge innovations, the future of work, deeply technical topics, and the ways that we can all work together to make the world a more inclusive place. We hope you enjoy. And if you do, please subscribe, rate, and comment. My name is Jer, and I'm a lead with the NYC chapter of Women Who Code. I am currently a senior software engineer at a company called Batch, a marketplace app that makes it super easy to plan and book group experiences, focusing first on the bachelorette and bachelor market with our app. So I'm so excited to be here today to interview Erica Lockheimer. Erica Lockheimer is the VP of engineering at LinkedIn, overseeing the LinkedIn talent solution suite. Her teams oversee LinkedIn learning, formerly known as lynda.com, Glint, the employee voice survey product, as well as LinkedIn talent solutions, connecting LinkedIn members to career opportunities and helping recruiters find the best candidates for their companies. She has been at LinkedIn since 2010 and during her tenure has also created the Women in Tech program from the ground up and has been an advocate for women in engineering both internally and externally through programs and events that build up the WIT community. In 2014 and 2015, Erica was voted amongst the top 22 women engineers in the world by Business Insider. Erica is a San Francisco Bay Area native, has two kids, loves to run, and is a graduate from San Jose State University with a BS in computer engineering. Erica has over 20 years of experience in the tech industry and 11 years plus at LinkedIn. So today she'll be discussing her journey from being an individual contributor to becoming a manager, um, what she's currently working on at LinkedIn, what she's passionate about, and her day-to-day life. So let's get to know Erica better. Hi, Erica. So thank you. Like, thank you so much for being here. <laughs> thank you, Jaren. Uh, thank you for the generous uh, introduction. Very, very kind. Um, I'm super excited uh, to talk to you today. Great. Yeah. So can you tell me, I know I've already kind of covered your background, but can you tell me a bit more about you, who you are and how you got started in tech? Yeah, um, it's it's a it's a great question. You know, getting into tech is is such a, a broad um, perspective for me because, you know, it wasn't like, oh, I want to be an engineer and this is my path. And, you know, my mine was a bit uh crooked in in many ways and if I think about even in the early days of going you know going to high school and where you're trying to figure out what you want to do and what you want to major in I was just always really interested in math and really good at it and that was my focus but you know if you know 20 plus years ago that was a long 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 time actually very very long time ago and it wasn't something that was you know the common theme that you got into but it was really my math teacher that said hey why don't you take this AP class in basic uh, and Pascal programming, which is a language that nobody <laughs> uses uh, to, today, maybe in some other really old, old software. Uh, but I, you know, I was introduced to it and I was amazed that I can actually build something and create something. I remember building a simple tic-tac-toe game and black and white screen. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I built that and I was able to control it and create outcomes. And that was really a catalyst that, that sparked my interest. But I'll be honest, like I got out of it after that. I, I just 
you know, I, I, there was nothing that was making me want to stay. And so I pretty much, you know, wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do. So I went to junior college and made that discovery of like, I need to do my undergrad. Let me figure out if this is what, you know, I want to do, you know, I'm good at math. Maybe I should go into accounting. And, you know, I, for me, thank goodness I didn't go into that. I, I don't think I'd be really great at it. Uh, but I really stumbled in technology again, because I, when I finished my two years going to De Anza and West Valley College in the, in the Bay Area, I wandered around the halls and I was honestly the first person in my family to graduate from uh, college. And they, you know, I didn't take my SATs on time. I just did not have any guidance, uh, very little guidance, just that go to college, Erica, that's what you need to do. So I remember walking the halls of Santa Clara University, San Jose State, and thinking, this is, you know, I got to make my next move and, and decide. And it was in that moment when I was walking through San Jose State, they had this brand new shiny building. It was amazing. I walk into that building because it was just, wow, what is this building? I walk in there and it was the engineering building and they had just recently, you know, built it. And I walked the halls and I saw this, this showcase of Society of Women Engineers. And it was that moment that's really how I chose my major where it was a sense of belonging. I'm like, I always had a planted a seed in me where that was an interest, but then there was a sense of belonging. I'm like, I'm just going to go for it and just try it. And it seems like there's a community help me through this. And that is really, you know, how I, how I chose uh, to get into technology. And then the path after that is just uh, so, so many different turns and, <laughs> and we can, we can talk about that. I, I don't know if what, what path you want to uh, continue forward, but yeah, but that's how I chose my major. It wasn't this uh, rocket science, uh, critical thinking, you know, course of pros and cons. I just, I just said, yes, I want to try that. Wow. That is so inspiring. And I love that you said, you know, you found a sense of belonging. That is so true. That's, um, and I feel like you've really created that at LinkedIn. So, um, yeah, you know, speaking of path, um, I, you started as an individual contributor and you've held many different titles in engineering management. So what was your journey like going from being an individual contributor to a manager? So, so great question. You know, after uh, I graduated, my focus was I just need to get a job in, in my major. And it was during the dot-com days. I, I graduated in, in 2000. And, you know, interviewing is a skill. <laughs> it, it really is. You're showcasing your knowledge. You're trying to convince them to hire you uh, and you know that they someone wants to invest in you and have the potential and I remember just going interview after interview and, and basically failing and during the dot-com days if you could put a website up you were a freaking genius and I didn't I majored in computer engineering which was hardware and software but the internet was just so brand new at that time and so I taught myself front-end programming you know html css and just bring something you know to life and in an interview, I showed them that, hey, I built this. And <laughs> I felt like I fooled them because they're like, great, you're hired. And I'm like, oh my God, this is now, <laughs> my goodness, this is what I'm going to be doing. And I really enjoyed it. And it was, it, it, was, it, was, it was amazing, but it was really hard for me. I'll be honest. I, I'm not a great front-end development. I was more back-end engineering and you know more on API level. And that's where I thrived, but it took me a while to figure that out. And I think that's, that's completely natural. So I loved building. I loved being an, an engineer. And I started to just say yes to every opportunity that was given to me, you know, with, with you know, the job or you know, some project. 
And I remember one time I started becoming in more intentional about my career and just like all these little steps. And I wanted to prove to myself that I could do a project all by myself. And I, I asked my boss, I said, Hey, you know, I, I would love to do this project. It was about getting, you know, some server detail stats that he could present to the board of like, you know, how, how this, how the service was working on how we're delivering email and calendar data. And I, you know, I, I worked on it really hard and I just did a rookie, rookie mistake, which was, you know, back then it was hard uh, to have a lot of disk space and work at the same time. So I would clean up my disk space all the time. And one day, one evening coding away, you know, in the middle of the night, I did RM minus RF, which is not a good thing to do if you don't check in your code. And I deleted all my code. And I remember looking, I'm like, uh, looking at my friends, like it must be somewhere. And no. no, I cannot. So I remember going to my boss and telling him what I had done. And I said, that project that you want done, I, I deleted code. He looked at me with just complete, you know, disappointment, but I looked at him and I said, you know what, I can get it done in, in two days. And he looked at me like, okay. And I was like, I'm not quite sure this project took me <laughs> two weeks to build, but it's amazing. You know, as an engineer, you know, code stays in your memory. You can actually rewrite it better with like less bugs. And, and I delivered and, that was just a moment in myself where I was able to recover when, when I had failed. And then he went to a startup company and he asked me, Hey, Erica, would you like to join? I'm thinking, Oh, I remember me. I was the one that <laughs> had messed up. And I, I, of course I said, yes, he, he believed in me, he invested in me. And I wind up being at good technology, you know, for, for nine years. But when you asked that question, when did I get into management? I was an individual contributor. I, I got to a senior engineer and I started paying attention to what our customers needed and what the business needed. And, you know, I, you know, to, we take for granted getting email and calendar data on our iPhones and our Androids. But back then it was, you know, we were working on black and white RIM 950 devices and Palm Trios. The iPhone and Android didn't even exist. And it was my job to take encrypted email and calendar data from an exchange server, Microsoft exchange server over the cloud onto these devices. And we had big customers like Cisco and Walmart, and we were in charge of delivering email to them. So when the server that I built would go down or break, guess what? Work stopped. And so I started caring about the business of like, oh my gosh, let me, let me find out what happened. Maybe the integration is different within your, your server and, and start fixing issues. And they're like, hey, Erica, we need you on this customer call. And so I really just enjoyed understanding what the true problems were and then figuring out what the solutions were. And that was a moment where I was like, oh, this is my sweet spot. This is what feels good. Strategy and build together. Then I decided to have a kid <laughs> and I took some time off work. And I would, and it wasn't like there was a ton of people that were in the office, pregnant as engineers and trying to balance all of this. And I, I took time off and we don't have as much maternity uh, leave back then, but it was about six weeks. And my boss called me. I'm like, great, um, probably not going to go well. I've been out. I'll probably get laid off. Like they need me there because it was a startup company and, and everything. But he said, hey, you know what? You are already managing the team. You're already doing it organically. We're going to do a reorg and we'd love for you to lead the team and be sustaining manager, which is focusing on building solutions for your customers. And I was so excited and I wanted to go back to work really fast, actually probably faster than I should have in retrospect. Uh, but I, I, I stumbled into management in that way. And so most of the time, 
you know, you're already organically doing that. And that's where I also believe when I think about leaders that, you know, I promote into management, it's like, there's that organic trait. You can, it can be a trained thing, but I think you also play to your strengths and also what your passion is. So from then on, I just stayed on that path of management and just grew. And I, I, I wanted to stay close to the business, close to the strategy, but also build at the same time and not let go of that. So that's how uh, I got in, got into management, just started doing the job, didn't ask for permission, just started doing it. And then realizing, oh, I'm actually already doing it. <laughs> so. Yeah. Wow. You touched on so many great points. Um, and I know some of it relates to, you know, your current role you had talked about um, interviewing, you know, it's, it's definitely not something that everyone was born being good at. So um, I'd love to hear a little bit more about, you know, your current role, but you're passionate about LinkedIn. And I know that um, at LinkedIn, you're uh, implementing a skills path approach, which is, um, you know, hiring in a different way. Um, so if you could talk a little bit about uh, what you're doing there. Yeah, so I've been at LinkedIn for now uh, 11 years, which is uh, a really long time. And I've done many different things at LinkedIn. And that's also what, what keeps me at LinkedIn. I started off leading the growth team from, from the ground up, very much on the consumer side, and then moved over to LinkedIn Learning and now take, take, taken on uh, talent uh, solutions and on also Glint, three lines of businesses at LinkedIn that represents uh, more than half of our revenue that we have. And you know, it's like a big job. And, you know, I also want to remind folks, it's like, oh, Erica, you've been at LinkedIn for 11 years. You know, you just, you're just progressing. Like you are only as good as your last performance, right? I need to continue to do great at what I do and do what makes the most sense for the company, do what, what makes most sense for the team. And, you know, I stay at LinkedIn because I'm passionate about the work. I'm truly passionate about it. And, you know, we, you know, connect, you know, opportunity to people think about helping people get the skills they need to get the right job connecting recruiters and job seekers together it's like we're truly uh creating an impact on the world and globally um and that is what keeps me there and, and there's some exciting things that we've done and and that uh, i've been part of and one thing that we're we just launched and we're in the prototype phase and you can hear about it on linkedin also on opportunity.linkedin.com is another place to to look at but we want to look at hiring in a different way. So you may go to college like some of us and, you know, or that elite school or, you know, maybe not that elite school. It, and that's how you're judging how you are recruited. But we want to have it based on skills. Skills is your currency. It doesn't matter what school you went to or if you went to, you know, a boot camp or some academy to learn your skills. Your skills are what matter. And actually, if I think about my journey and the skills I have, what I learned in college is very different than what I do today. So you're constantly learning. So a skills path is something that we launched where we partner with companies and say, let's take an assessment where we assess job seekers on their skills. And we will fast track them to an interview at your company because they showcased your skills. And then they go through their standard interview process and then they'll be able to get the job. So really changing the narrative that's focused on skills rather than just your background or, or who you know, right? It's, it's really about what you know and, and, and focusing on, on that. So that's something we've launched. We have several customers that have signed up. We also signed up a whole country, Singapore, which is super exciting. And it's a cultural shift. And so we're working on changing how recruiters hire talent and how job seekers think about what's required in getting that job. So skills path 
is something that I see bright in our in our future, and I want more and more companies uh, to hire in that way. And it's hard; it's a competitive market too. So think about as an individual, if I showcased my skills and you hired me, and now you're invested in me, guess what? I'm going to stay at your company a lot longer. You are going to retain me. And if anything, we're so competitive for, you know, the workforce today that, you know, the more that we can invest in our employees and help them grow in their career, they will stay at the company. So it's really, really important, not only for business and the, but also the individual. Yeah. And, um, you know, your path into, you know, different titles of engineering shows that you're just a natural born leader. Um, how are you helping to nurture that at LinkedIn, you know, uh, creating or helping people build leadership in tech? Yeah, you know, there's, there's, there's a, the talent, you know, you're only as good as, as your team. So I'm really big on having the right talent that, that I work, that I work with, and they are true partners. And so I make sure that when I create a team, I'm creating a team that where every individual feels invested, where I'm giving opportunity. And that's where you get like the right outcomes. Like I understand what skills they want to work on, right? So I need to be practicing what I, what I preach, right? And making sure that, hey, do you have this opportunity? And also look at the makeup of my team, make sure that it's diverse. I'm super proud and I work really hard. I have over 50% uh, women in, on my leadership bench. And I, you know, you know, once you start with one or two, guess what? <laughs> Everybody starts to come forward as well. And it's a lot easier to build that team, but it also was very, very intentional. So the talent side is really important for me in, in building not only diversity when it comes to race or gender, but diversity of thought. So diversity of thought is really important where I don't need a whole bunch of extroverts in the room or a bunch of introverts. I need a balance. And I also need some people like, hmm, I may not do things like them, but they still get the right outcome. I need them on my team. So you also have to look at your own biases that may creep in because it's really easy to just be comfortable uh, with people that are like you and just, you know, hire, hire, hire the same. So that's one thing. And then another thing is I'm a big firm believer is the product that you are building or working on. You need to be using it. You need to understand how it's created, how it's built. And so the more hands-on that you can uh, do, the better. So you're, you know, very, like clearly very committed, um, you know, at work and you have excelled uh, tremendously at work. So how do you juggle work-life balance, you know, raising two children, um, being a, a, you know, a full-time mother and also a full-time job? Yeah. And I have two dogs and two lizards and five chickens. Oh my <laughs> <God>. <laughs> uh, so you know, you're, you're asking the million dollar question that everybody's trying to figure out. And, and it's a constant, uh, it's a constant change of iteration, to be honest, because when I think about in the first stages of life, when I had a baby, right, you have a baby and it's like, oh my gosh, how do I, how do I balance this? And, and then there's this tremendous amount of guilt. Like I decided to bring a life into this world. Shouldn't I be spending all the time with them and caring for them? And, you know, uh, but I, so I almost quit. After I had a baby, because it was just a lot. It was, it was, I didn't know how to balance. There wasn't a great playbook, but I also struggled because I really wanted to work. I wanted to build. And it's like, you're, so you're stuck between two passions, right? What do you do? And, and my mom, as, as, you know, as crazy this might, may sound, but I'm logical in this way. She's like, do you remember anything when you were four months old, six months old? <laughs> I'm like, no. She's like, you know, 
you know, they're not going to remember, you know, it's about quality of time, not quantity of time. And she convinced me to go um, uh, continue my path. My husband, you know, he's an equal player as, as far as a parent. So it's also important to find the right partner uh, if you decide to have children. And, you know, you know, that is how I continued forward. But I also got a lot of help. I figured out like, hey, I can't do everything, you know, get help. You know, I outsource everything I can do uh, besides, besides love. And so what my children needed from me when they were babies, now they're different. They're 14 and a half and 12. And it's also very different what they need from me today. I need more, even more quality of time. And, you know, you have mental health and everything that we just went through. It's just, it's a lot. And so it's about being there for them and your, your calendar can get crazy busy. So I make sure that I don't uh, by, by rule, unless it's a, you know, required and absolute necessary, I don't take meetings before 10. I get my run in the morning because I also got to take care of myself. So running is like super important, dropping off the kids to school, need to be part of that. And then have my time to like focus on work. And then when I come back from work, it's all about, you know, the kids and spending time and, and making sure that I don't, you know, work on the weekends unless, you know, something crazy happens, but I create those boundaries. Those boundaries are so, so important to create because easily your calendar can just, everybody wants your time. Everybody wants your time. And the more you take off your plate, the more it's, you know, you're going to allow to be put on. So you're in charge of your life and you have to make the boundaries. So I will tell people, no, I can't, I, but I could do it this time. Or guess what? I won't be able to meet with you in a week and a half as if it's some other thing that's not time, you know, pressing for time. I have to set those boundaries. So I think it's hard for us to do that earlier on, I believe in even more so in our career, because you're like, Hey, I'm trying to get the cred. I'm trying to work really hard. I need to do all these things. Like, can I set these boundaries? Right. Away? Yes. You're human. And you need to create these mental health balances for yourself, or guess what? You're going to suffer in the end and you're going to make, you know, not some great choices and you're going to be honestly exhausted and you're not going to perform your best. So creating those boundaries are, are so important. So I try and I'm always iterating because uh, my kids are changing. I'm changing. The needs of <laughs> around me are changing. So I'm always iterating and A-B testing, just like you do software. I'm A-B testing myself. Okay, that, that worked last year. It's not going to work this year. So always changing. Wow, that's such a great advice. Oh my gosh. And I'm sure we can all either relate or will in the future relate to that. So um, I know you're very, you know, passionate about supporting women in tech. Um, what advice or like pro tip do you have for, um, you know, women to be successful in tech? You know, women, you know, in, in tech, you know, it, it applies also to everyone uh, in many ways, but I focus on women uh, a lot because, you know, we all have different struggles, right? But when you are sometimes a minority in your space, whether gender, race, or, 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 or what have you, it's, it's uh, escalating, that feeling is escalated. And so it becomes a little bit harder. And I think sometimes the best thing to do is, I would say, you know, you ask for feedback. I'm big on feedback because feedback is how you grow, right? Feedback is how you're like, hey, keep doing this. You're doing really great at that. But this is what you also need to work on and you're not excelling at. And it's not very common for a whole bunch of people to, hey, Erica, let me tap on your door and, you know, get on a call. I have a ton of feedback to give you, right? People also are not great at it, to be honest. I also know a lot of managers. They're, they're supposed to be the ones that help you or your peers to give you that feedback. There's a lot of managers out there that are not great. They're not great at, at doing that. So 
you have to have that control where you're asking for that feedback. And you know, when there's moments where you're like, hmm, that could have been better. Let me ask someone I trust and get that feedback and ask us several people because it's data, right? It's information. It doesn't mean that person's opinion is the right opinion. It's a perspective. So, and feedback's a gift. You could take it or leave it, right? But definitely ask for it and ask from, um, from many, many people because that, that is a sign of growth. So that's, that's one thing. Uh, a second thing is, you know, I think about early in career, we didn't have sponsorships and mentorships, but I had them, but I didn't know that's what we called them. But I would be really, really focused and intentional on getting those support groups and, you know, events like women who code be part of communities, start talking to people don't don't put it all on yourself get advice and so you can get there a lot faster where, where you want, and maybe you're working on a problem. And I have a board of mentors. I don't have like one mentor and also be asking somebody to be your mentor is like a commitment for a long time. You have a coffee chat, like, Hey, I see that you're doing this really well. Can I grab 15 minutes of your time, 30 minutes of, of your time to just have a conversation and get your advice. And it's always great to bring a problem together that you want to solve on. And, and that is uh, what I find has been super helpful because it, you know, you know, so when someone says, do you want to be your mentor? That, that can seem like, oh my gosh, that's going to be a lot of time. But a 15 minute chat, 30 minute, you know, coffee or whatever, that's not going to be um, a big, a big ask. The other thing that I would say is uh, be intentional about the skills you want to learn. I think the more that you can plant seeds and say, maybe, you know, maybe you're an engineer and you're starting out and you're like, I don't know if I want to do front end, back end, mobile development. I'm just curious, or maybe I want to get into AI. Talk to your manager, talk to your peers like, hey, I'm interested in doing this now, but guess what? I want to learn this. And you plant that seed so that when that opportunity comes up or they can plan for that, then you can give that next opportunity. I think about myself and my career. I wanted to learn how to run a business. I wanted to learn how to um, own a PL and you know, uh, work closer with customers and sales. I planted that seed into my boss. The opportunity wasn't there right away. It was there six months later. And then that's how I came, you know, across LinkedIn learning and was leading that business for, you know, three years. And then I'm like, hmm, I want to do even more. I want to, you know, I want to learn the enterprise side of the business, uh, running recruiter. And, you know, you don't always get what you ask, but if you definitely don't ask, you're definitely not going to get it. And there's times that people say, no, not now, Erica, but, you know, and then it happens, it can happen years later. I remember wanting to work on recruiter, honestly, four years ago and nope not going to happen, but guess what? Now it did. So I think the more that you can plant those seeds, it, it's important and they can happen immediately or they can happen uh, in some time later when those opportunities are bigger. Cause sometimes it's harder to find those, those bigger opportunities. So th that would be my three areas that um, I would I'd focus on. Wow. Well, oh my gosh, so many great quotes and such a wealth of advice. So thank you so much for your time. Um, thank you so much for being here and for sharing us, you know, all of your knowledge and we, uh, the Women Who Code community, really, really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. And thank you for all the wonderful questions. I appreciate the conversation. Thank you. Have a nice day. You too. Thank you for listening to the Women Who Code podcast. To find out more about our mission, and the work we do across the tech industry, visit our website, womenwhocode.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at womenwhocode. 
be sure to check out our YouTube channel with hundreds of hours of free educational videos. Just go to youtube.com backslash women who code. Thanks again for listening. And remember to subscribe, rate, and comment.